Hey, this is Johannes from Avatar, and you're listening to Scary Terrorist Saturday Nightmare on Rock 94.7. I'm good. How are you? Uh, doing fantastic, and we're going to be doing even better when you guys hit the stage at Q&Z Expo Center in Ringle this Sunday, man. We've been dying to have Avatar in our neck of the Northwoods. This is huge, man. Cannot wait. Neither can we. Neither can we. Thank you for that. This isn't your first time in Wisconsin. You guys have played in, in the uh, great state of Wisconsin before. Is, is there any particular thing that, about the state that stands out to you when you play here? Let me see. Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. you're. The, aren't you the booze and cheese people? Yeah. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. We, we know you loves the cheese, man. How does the Wisconsin cheese stack up to your to the Swedish cheese? Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't think I've been yet as of yet properly introduced to the Wisconsin cheese. We are very much into the business of buying the ready sliced stuff, generic <laughs> oh, no, stuff no. on Walmart and banking up. So I still I'm yet to properly try that, and I look forward to do so. Yeah, you, you gotta do. Until then, I can give an answer. But some fans actually brought us some Swedish cheese they bought at IKEA oh, for us sweet. just the other day. It's all gone now, but that was bliss. What we gotta do? Have you done cheese curds yet? No, but I heard of it. Fresh squeaky cheese curds. We're gonna we, we gotta hook you up with those while you're hanging out in the state here. You guys have already sold out a show in Wisconsin. You have Madison date completely sold out. The only way. Yeah, I that's, mean, so this that's is our first. That's our first in the in the in, in the U.S. Get out of here! Sellout. Seriously, but a, a first proper proper sellout, I would call it. It's it's uh, <laughs> it's, it's this one in Madison, yeah. That, uh, so how did it, it comes feel? down to definition? But uh, yeah, I would I would dare saying it's a first actually. How would the uh, how how did the how did that news hit you the first when you heard that that you got a sold out gig on this tour? It's one of these things that are hard to process. It's all been going you know very fast for us in the states. We uh, I don't know we we came here being more more of a bunch of veterans than people over here realize who came pretty well prepared, which has helped us a lot to get a good setup with the people we work with. And, you know, with the music we put out and everything, it's just, I don't know, we, we grew up playing around in Europe and learning a lot. And now we got to, I don't know, it was a, it's, just, it's just, we have, it's just come so much faster in the U.S. And it's crazy, it's crazy. And so it's very hard to, hard to know how to react to it you know we just because we we anyway we are a hard-working band and we dig our you know put our heads down deep and you know just keep on moving forward and would have done it with or without a sold-out show so for us it, it, it's, it's strange it's fun it's great and it's very rewarding but also hard to know how to react to it it's new territory for us this, this whole, the whole last few years of your career and the band's trajectory has been very rapid. I mean, up until um, a couple albums ago, you guys were uh, were a pretty much meat and potatoes death metal band. And a couple albums ago, this shift happened, and then Black Waltz really, really shifted things into this new gear that Avatar finds itself in. Looking back on the on the decision you made to shift the sound of the band, I, I'd say you're pretty happy with the way it's turned out so far. Absolutely. The thing is, our roots are and will always be in death metal, and that is the kind of music that we play together while learning how to play music and how to write music. And then through the years, what we, you know, we were, I don't know, we would, you know, you always try to avoid the being generic, but, you know, it's, that comes with artistic growth. And uh, just took a while to figure ourselves out and what, what we were about, you know. So, uh, and looking back at it, I don't know. Black Wolves came out of a place where we were able to peel off another layer of bullcrap and find, a, you know, a deeper, 
deeper honesty than before, which is always what we're striving for, you know, to, to do something more and more real and more and more honest with each album. And Black Pulse was a pinnacle of that to that point, you know. Now we are now continuing with Hail the Apocalypse. So it's, it's, uh, I'm, I'm very pleased with it because it's a bit of, since Black Pulse, we're definitely a band who stopped asking for permission. Hail the Apocalypse. I mean, this is another step in the evolution. And I mean, these songs, uh, let's get to the title track here. I mean, th- this song is loaded with great lines, uh, including "All flesh is equal when burnt." Uh, tell me the place where this where this track came from. Obviously, you think highly of it. It's the title of the uh, title track of the record. But uh, wh- where did this song come from? Well, the original riff and most of the riffs that are in the song were the stuff that Tim brought to the band when when joining us. Uh, and we actually talked about that song just yesterday. I think it was where he. Because he was, uh, uh, it's from a real old jam that he had with a couple of friends while partying, and he he thought of that that, that thing. So it's been with him for quite a, some time, but luckily he saved it for this band <laughs> and, and didn't bring it to any other band he's been in. So it was all ours. Then it's you know it's, it's the same. We are a very collective writing team. So it went back and forth for quite a while, some time, but it always, to me, had this atmosphere of, I know, there's this sense of urgency and this sense of alarm and that something, something's coming down, you know, that, that sensation in, in, in the music that I, I really always, I always love and always look for when I want to start doing lyrics, you know, lyrical content. And I always have this specific image of the Doomsday Prophet, you know, the one standing with a sign on the street setting the end is nigh, looking up to the sky and watch the bombs fall, you know? Or in your case, an organ grinder in the video. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But that thing, yeah, that it plays off from that lyrical content. And it was, and then it turns out, with that image in mind, that the Doomsday Prophets was right, you know, that 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 sets the stage of this, then of these ideas that I just want to sing about facing consequences, dealing with what you get and dealing with what you have cost. And, you know, embrace embrace a catastrophe in your life as a challenge. And then, you know, it gets all those layers from it. But most of all, this sensation of impending and violent doom <laughs> is the key centerpiece of it. But I do like that other aspect of embracing the disaster in your life as a challenge. It's not easy to do that, but you have to do that sometimes. Definitely not. And if I was better at it, I wouldn't need to you know, <laughs> write motivational tunes about it to myself. So there you go. it is a challenge, but it's a mindset and try, you know, worth, worth attempting to build. Absolutely. Now, another song that uh, we latched onto right away was Bloody Angel and... There's a lot going on in this tune as well. The video paints another very dark picture. So uh, take us into the inspiration for this song. Well, that is one um, that came from... Actually, there I had the urge uh, with, uh, while writing those melodies. Uh, number one, I always... Um, we as a band nowadays are really into... You know, when you build a very big big piece of art from something fairly tiny and you know how you can use one theme one melodic theme to write a whole bunch of different riffs or if you or that you can play the same riff with a tons of different grooves and it turns into different pieces of music and with bloody angel it's this dun, da, da, dun, dun. that's you know mm-hmm. that's 
that that's been at the center, you know, that that's the riff and that's the the little you know backup theme of the verses and that's the chorus and everything. He has to build this and a consequential groove through the whole song, and uh, and also I wanted to do something pretty simple, you know, something almost nursery rhyme thing, something that could be played from a music box, and nothing more, nothing less, just there to be almost called primitive, because if you do that the right way, that is when you know when when music really starts to speak to people, I think, and you know, it doesn't take any detours into your soul. And once you're there, and once you start to stare with write music that stares into your soul, you just need to ask your song well, what he wants to, trying to say. And that one is about dealing with a lot about you know guilt and shame and personal failures. You know when you're trying to be, when you are generally setting out to be something and something positive, and you achieve the opposite. When you actually do purely harm instead of the good you set out to do. And so that's the sense, that's the idea of that song, and and to be caught in that, and that is what we then get in the music video. It's a it's a version of that story where simply someone, a man, is caught in a in a system where he is forced to do harm, and he cannot get out. He's in stays in within that system to protect himself, and keeps on doing this catastrophic harm to others. It, the um Again, this is one of the things to me that really stands out about this entire record are these layers of meaning that you bring up. And um, it, it's there's almost a progressive metal mindset, if not necessarily in the execution. And, and you mentioned before that you're a big uh, you're a big Devin Townsend fan. Huge. <laughs> I'm actually wearing it, a, a T-shirt from his, of his right now. Get out of here. That's awesome. He did this, you know, now with the, the casualties of cool. He did like three shows in Europe with that. I think one being in Helsinki where I recently moved. So I got to see him live and also through my girlfriend who's a music journalist. I got to interview him. Oh, nice. <laughs> was very awesome. And uh, one of those magical moments turns out we share the same uh, promoter uh, in uh, in, um, in mainland Europe, and through him, he obtained our our uh, album. And I, you know, I tried to play it cool, and it's obvious that I'm there as a fan mm-hmm. who gets to interview, help you know, help the journalist interview him, like a, I don't know, like an intern. But still, I tried to play it a bit cool, but then he recognizes me. Okay, so you must be the guy from Avatar, right? <laughs> Love your album. Oh, how cool is that to have? One I was, of your I was, I was very that. blown away, uh, <laughs> to say the least. That was very, very cool. And again, there's, there's, and deserve, honestly, man, you deserve the credit because, again, hail the apocalypse. This is some next level stuff. And um, one of the other surprises we found on the record, I honestly didn't expect to find this on on uh, hail the apocalypse. But you guys actually drop a Nirvana cover on here, uh, something yeah. in the way. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, just when you know what what happened is basically that uh, we decided to do this album live, and we kind of decided to do that in the last minute. We we went to Thailand to record this because a producer moved there, and you know he found a cool studio for us to figure out the budget made sense. So okay, let's go on an adventure. And on the way over, we uh, we watched uh, on the airplane. They had this documentary by Dave Grohl, Sound City Studios. Oh yeah, that's a fantastic documentary. Yeah, and it, it is a fantastic documentary, and it's and those you know the stuff that all those artists talked about in that documentary is what pushed us over the edge to say okay let's do it live because we were kind of there but we weren't really until we saw that thing so we are recording live in the studio like in the olden days 
and it turns out very cool. And we got, you know, the last evening or afternoon or something, well, you know, we got some time left. What do we do? And we start to know, should we do like a cover? It's, you know, it's useful to have bonus tracks are good. We've been, we are being told and we usually only record as much as we release, uh, more or less. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so let's do a cover. And, you know, I suggest immediately some, something that would be funny, like uh, Beat on the Breath <laughs> by the Ramones and stuff like that. But then, uh, but I get shut down and instead uh, it's Tim that brings up, you know, I always thought about this song. It's, it's just two chords. It shouldn't be too hard. And it just fits very well then that we are jamming out the cover by Nirvana when Dave Grohl made <laughs> convinced us that we should record the album live <laughs> and and directly you know that's uh it, that's crazy that the, how all that came together yeah it really came together and then you know then it just turned out too cool too fun and too special to us to not deserve a place on the actual album uh, it turned out beautifully i mean again atmospheric and, and there again all those layers all that prog- all those progressive elements i gotta be honest with you johannes i wasn't i wasn't sure what to expect uh during this interview um, you, you on stage and in the videos, you're a madman with face paint, <laughs> hailing the apocalypse, and you are a, you are a downright pleasant, polite guy. So the question that I have for you is: Is there something that clicks in your head when the face paint goes on? Do you become a different guy? Uh, what I think it is is I think we are all all of us are a bunch of different guys and girls in our heads. You know, uh, I don't know if there's a book by uh, Lucas Reinhardt, I think his name is. Anyway, the book is called The Dice Man, uh, written in the late 60s. And uh, it's a great novel that I will not you know, spoil too much, but the whole idea is to acknowledge the fact that we all have, you know, we are, all of us are usually crammed into like one, to play one role in life, one role in society, to be one person. And as it turns out, we, most of us have so many sides of us that if we accept that we to only, you know, play one one ball game, everything else about us is being suppressed. Now and with the lifestyle that I have been privileged of having, traveling around with the band, getting creative, at the same time I've been having, you know, my day job for a long time I've been working with kids and handicapped and oh. you know, special needs children and all that and been in that world and then a bunch of other things means that I have been able to express many sides of me. I don't feel that the clown on stage is less me than the guy talking to you now. I just feel that different emotions, the different expressions comes out at different times. And, you know, and I prefer keeping that clown a bit, you know, he has, he, he sits on, on, I put him aside a bit in my <laughs> everyday life because I never consider him being a very pleasant person to have a conversation with. He's a more one-way street kind of guy. He's not the guy you want to show up to the bank to apply for a loan with. The yeah, or yeah. maybe he is. <laughs> maybe I will get a very good interest rate. You know, th- with that being said, he probably has more in common with those bastards sitting at the top, maybe. He has a very uh, dark mindset. There you go. Yeah, there's yeah, there's something about him. But it's, it's, you know, it, it's definitely me, and that's what's when we discovered this, because it was a bit by chance that we started to do this with, uh, with the whole clown, it's like, that, it really un- undressed me, if you will. It really exposed a part of me that walking around in a leather jacket and looking pissed off didn't really do for, for me or for the band in the past. We got something more for, out of me by doing this. And, and it's... So it's- 
clearly working, man. I mean, again, Hail the Apocalypse is uh, next-level stuff, and, and Black Waltz before it was solid, too. Th- this venue that you're going to be playing this Sunday, Q&Z Expo Center, this actually, I don't know if you're aware of this, it used to be an elementary school. Really? Yeah, we, uh, we're we good at recycling here. Our last concert venue was a movie theater, and then we uh, gutted that and changed it, and then this elementary school has been <laughs> completely... What happened re- to all the kids? Uh, it, it was it was uh, closed down, you know. The, the uh, there wasn't a need for it anymore, so they they've recycled it into a new uh, into a concert venue now. The question is, what kind of a student were you when you were in school? Well, depends on which age. I've always been. Uh, I was always a good student, per definition, that I ended up with very good grades, and you know, I was pretty stimulated in in school. But I was also, I could be, surprise, surprise, taking up a lot of space and making <laughs> myself heard on, you know, on the cost of other people around me. So uh, that is something I still, I'm still working on. <laughs> yeah, but no, I was, uh, I don't know, I started off as a teacher's pet and then I became the teacher's adversary. <laughs> but, uh, uh, still, but still, that's a fair challenge. It, would you say that's maybe where the clown first started to develop? Maybe it could be, but you know, it's always also this thing. There are different ways of handling, you know, the anxiety that you feel as a teenager and insecurities that we all had, you know. And then one is, you know, being the clown or being loud. If if I'm if I'm saying this loud enough, maybe you don't see my weaknesses, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I was in a rough school where like twice as many students as the place was built for. So I mean, we are we had a. It was a kind of eat or be eaten environment, and everybody did a bit of everything bull wise. So it was a very kind of a rough place for a couple of years there. Huh. I think I come out pretty okay on the other side, and after a while, I was managed to realize, hey, it's not that hard to stand up for oneself, so you don't even have to do so much because most of these people are cowards. It, you know that's interesting. This it, you're the probably the first Swedish artist I've I've interviewed who's had that sort of um, that sort of angle on it. Because the, the one thing I've caught, uh, I've interviewed a lot of uh, a lot of Swedish musicians and, and Scandinavian musicians, and the common thread seems to be you're not supposed to try to be better than your neighbor. You're just supposed to do your thing. I guess there's a lot of that going on. But then again, I'm half Swedish. Ah, I see. There you go. So, <laughs> so there you go. No, and uh, I know I never grew up in a environment encouraging that thinking. It's a very, it is true. It's a very typical way of thinking, and I think I might have pissed people off with uh, by not being like that. But uh, since I was too in that age, I was way too self-absorbed to see that as a problem. And growing up and maturing a bit, it turns out it's definitely an asset to not let other people hold you down. Absolutely, man. We are looking forward to you unleashing it all on stage this Sunday. Q&Z Expo Center, that is Johannes, lead vocalist of Avatar. Grab their new album, Hail the Apocalypse. Grab the la- hell, grab their entire catalog. It's the evolution from the first album to the latest one, man. Just incredible to behold. Dude, thank you so much for being on my dumb show today. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. It's really my pleasure. It was lots of fun. One, two, Terry's coming for you. This is Scary Terry's Saturday Nightmare. A force of evil. From Rock (laughs) 94.7.